Come on, Tottenham, stick it in the goal. Come on, Tottenham, the pace are bloody slow. You are the first team, the last team my dreams have ever seen. Put on that lily white and run on to that green. White Hart Lane has seen its pain, it's had its low tonight We fought our team through thick and thin and all those boring nights And when the game is done we'll sing a song and talk it out all night Hey, Come on Tottenham, stick it in the goal Come on Tottenham, don't be so bloody slow, you are the first team Hi, it's episode 14, season 4 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast My name's Jav, joining me this week Host of the first time, long time podcast, Aaron Wolf from Boston Hey, hey. And making her debut on the Tom Watson Family podcast, Zoe Pearson from Watford. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us. Um, Zoe, it's customary with a new guest to ask them um, how you got bitten by, by the Spurs bug. Okay, well, uh, the story is initially that uh, football during my childhood wasn't a, a huge point in my in my life my dad's not a a football fan it was mainly through my my uncle mike uh, he took me to my very first tottenham game in 2009 obviously in the background you know i was watching games from afar and it's not until you get into the stadium and i my first game that i saw live was the win against liverpool uh 2-0 and the camaraderie the atmosphere I just remember coming into the into the ground and the lane was just so loud and I just thought what 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 is this now that I'm that I'm walking into and I don't know it was just from that point on you you watch games from outside you know um outside the, the ground and you just have that sense of family. I that was that was the only thing that I that I felt from that very first experience because I had my my uncle and my cousin, and the camaraderie that was there with us and the banter that comes with with that. And then you know we were watching this exciting, brilliant football. Because you know at the time it was it was heartbreaking at times where you never know what Tottenham were, were going to show up on the day. And it was just the most brilliant thing I'd ever seen. And since that point, I've just been, I was hooked straight away. Absolutely hooked. Hooked hooked to the drug that, that, that's Tottenham Hotspur. Right. Um, let's start off with yesterday. Um, frustrating day at the office. Um, if I come to you first, Aaron, um, how do we go from... It seems to be a common, common theme uh, <laughs> repeating in previous podcasts. But how do we go from beating Dortmund to I don't know a lackluster performance um, against West Brom? I feel like I keep having to like come on and talk about these like totally depressing <laughs> lackluster performances where like a nothing team shows up and frustrates us for 90 minutes and I have to find something smart and intelligent to say about it. And I I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's frustrating. It's really really frustrating. I think but I think you like in your question you basically nailed the nail you hit the nail right on the head you hit, nailed the hammer right on the board i don't know you you got it right like it's particularly frustrating because of how well we performed midweek and i think it 
at this point, we have to look at, at that result and say, you look at something like the Madrid result, you look at the, at the Dortmund res- result, and you see how we played after that, and it's just the team is putting too much into those games. or not putting too much, but there's nothing left after those games, either emotionally, physically. Um, basically, the sides were exactly the same. We rotated the, the wing backs, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's really frustrating. Teams set up that way because it's effective, and um, we have not yet figured out how to break them down. So you and I talked a little bit about this um, off air before the recording. Um, West Brom are a team that historically, um, over the last few years, both home and away, we've struggled to to beat. I mean, we we beat them last season comprehensively at home, but generally the games both home and away have ended up in a draw. That being said, should we have done a bit better yesterday? I mean, I think you just have to look at the the style of football we we play and you know the west the way that west brom play as as it's almost the complete opposite to how we watch tottenham play we like to watch that fleet free flowing football you know wonderful passing through the midfield and their their style of football effectively as it is because they managed to get result after after result against us uh season after season it seems and it's almost that they're counteracting. They just counter each other out. And it's hard to put, put your finger on exactly why that is. And, and you sort of look at, I'm saying to you, you know, that you look at the creative players and it's ultimately down to them to, to unlock the, the key to the door to, to break their way through a team like that. But, you know, when they're set up so defensively aggressive, if, you know closing down players it's it's hard to impose the style of football that we like to play against a team like that because there's just no room on the pitch to do it certainly there's something to be said for, for teams coming and and putting men behind the, the, the um behind the ball and frustrating and West Brom did that they, they had a game plan they did did that, and they nearly came away with 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 three three points. That said, we we also had a chance. I think a Harry Kane header at mm. one all later on, and and that could have gone in. So, you know, it's, it's all f- fine margins. But um, we're not the first team that have both at Wembley, even at White Hart Lane. A lot of people forget last season that early on. I remember um, we beat Sunderland. I think one nil narrowly. That there were a few other teams, Burnley. 2-1 last season it wasn't all 4-0 wins I mean there were a fair few but there were lots of tight games at White Hart Lane last season teams have lesser teams if we can say that without sounding patronising um, they do come in and they, and they do frustrate and for whatever reason we've not managed particularly this season at Wembley to unlock those defences and I don't know if that's because of our creative players not being at the top of their game, Ericsson was started the season really well. Um, it seems since the since Denmark qualified for, for the for the World Cup, the last couple of matches he's a little bit he's been a little bit um, off his game. Delhi too, um, or whether it's maybe the fact that we're lacking pace. We don't have. I'm a big fan of Ben Davis, by the way, um, and, I, and I know a lot of fans knock him, um, but I think he's a really good player. But what say a fit Danny Rose on top of his game would give us and last season um 
uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but, but the guy that we sold to Manchester City, they gave us plenty of pace and width, um, and maybe we're lacking that at the moment. It just occurred to me yesterday, we're just a little bit slow. I don't, I don't know if we just need a bit of pace and a bit a bit of creativity. We've got the players in the middle of the park, but maybe they're just not performing, and that's what we need to unlock. Um, and not West Brom, or teams like West Brom. Well, Poch, Poch, in his uh, midweek interviews, said that uh, it wasn't lack of pace that the team was lacking, but like kind of lack of quality, lack of creativity. And um, but you look at you look at the way Aurier and um, Rose played against against um, Dortmund in, in, in midweek. They 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 were stretching the defense, and I think. I think in 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 many ways that's what we lacked today. There was sort of, you know, last quarter hour of the game we, we were playing with pace, we were playing fast passes, but they, it was so compact and the defense was so organized. And there was a couple of balls. I, I said it the first time Ori started for us. I um, it was before Rose had come back, and Ori launched this long cross that went past everybody, but all the way to the other fullback position. And I said, you know, when Rose comes back, that's going to be a ball that's on all the time, and it's going to be unlocking defenses that are well organized. And Trippier and Davis have been excellent for the most part, but neither one of them offer that kind of attack-minded. Uh, stretching the defense, taking on players, but also coming up with this kind of clever seeing all the way across the the, the pitch to see the, uh, their their counterpart on the other side to stretch the ball the play all the way across. And um, it worked midweek, and um, it and we just didn't have that ball on at all today. And so whether that's about pace, um, I'm not sure, but I think it's about a certain sort of attack mindedness if you remember last season there were plenty of times when that um guy who went to man city was starting against well-organized defenses and we said oh we just would like trippier to come on and you know put a couple of well-placed crosses in it's something about the 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 mixing and the matching something about using our, our our fullbacks or our wingbacks depending to um create more space and to create more opportunities and and Yesterday they just they just weren't really they were pretty pedestrian, um, and I've also been a fan of both of them. I mean, if you look at our team selection, it's just you know if I can just jump in there, Jav. Uh, if sure. you look at the team selection, you know you've got the the team that lined up against Dortmund, and before the match there was always the, the, against West Brom there was that feeling of, you know, almost having a European hangover, and you sort of think well. Well, what does Poch do? Does he stick or does he twist? Does he introduce the likes of Sissoko or Dembele, who didn't feature as heavily in Dortmund, but then get accused of, you know, undermining or underestimating West Brom? Yeah, it's a a hard it's a hard one to to go to go with. He rotated the fullbacks. But is that is that enough? Should he have, you know, technically should he have? introduce another person into the midfield that maybe hadn't performed quite as long against Dortmund or you know introduce Lorente uh, as much as he's not found his feet with with us at the moment you know this could have been a game where he could have been given a a few minutes on the pitch alongside Harry not necessarily instead of but alongside Harry and maybe he could have been the difference Mm. if he had longer on the pitch obviously that's 
nobody knows the answers to those questions, but it, it certainly poses a, a debate as to the team selection, I think. It's very much a no-win situation for Poch because last last year we last season we saw, you know, him "quote unquote" underestimating the European competition, and as a result, we were able to compete in the league. This 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 campaign, where I'm personally thrilled at the approach that he's taking in, in Europe, at, mm-hmm. and and you know the domestic competition is is. Uh, suffering as a result and it i think it has to do with our squad depth i think it has to do with injuries and i think also it has to do with um a couple of players that should have come on by now but haven't right like you know you're in kudus you're you're uh you're um marcus edwards like people that we were expecting already to but, be part of the side and that's all fine that's uh, they're all valid points but you say that we're suffering in the league and i don't i don't doubt that there are games this season that particularly at wembley that look back last season and we would, we would have done better against some of those teams but we've still got exactly the same points this season at this after 13 matches in in the league um as, as last season and on top of that we're we're you know we've already qualified as group winners of the champion of our champions league group with a, with a game in hand and and yeah we have got injuries as we did last season so relatively we're not doing too badly no, as, I mean, as frustrating as those home games are. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, um, I was just going to say that it's almost like, like we were saying, it's like a knee-jerk reaction to a to a disappointing result. But I think what it is, I think it's the it's the manner of which the results are and the performances at, at Wembley that you know we had the the one nil with Palace after. Uh, you know, these aren't comfortable wins. These are mm-hmm. these are games that we're going into. After Europe, that are uh, that are tough that we that they are finding tough after exerting themselves in the European competition. And I just think it's it's almost taking the gloss off the the things that we are doing in Europe. The you can't say that you know as disappointing as the performance was against West Brom, it's not going to take away from the fact that we performed the way we did against Real Madrid or against Dortmund. Unfortunately, it's it's such that. At the time, it's it's taking the gloss away from the European performances because you just seem to think, or the fans seem to think that you know you're you're going to get a, a draw at a home at West Brom because you've exerted yourself in 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 Europe, and it's a hard, hard balance to strike. Again, it's it, nobody really knows the answer to these questions. I think I think Jav, you're absolutely right, and Zoe, I think you're absolutely right as well, but. There is also, a, we we're expecting progr- progress, mm-hmm. and and you know that I'm the I'm Jav. You know I'm the happiest of the clapper clappers around. Yep. But there, but we do expect progress, and um, we looked at last campaign and thought, okay, we got really close. We're inches from this, and um, and it's just you know. The fact of the matter is, we are basically um, at par right now, and and that's fine. And I, I, if 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 Pasha was to come out and say yes, I'm prioritizing Champions League. That is the competition we should be looking at. That's the one that we should be winning. And this this season the, is not for us for the Premier League. I would say, great. Let's 
let's let's give it our let's give it everything you know um and i want us to be ambitious in both competitions in all competitions um but i think that's part of the knee-jerk reaction is that we expect a little bit of progress we expect that now we should have by now we should have a squad that we can rotate so that we can give erickson a rest so that we can give kane a rest so that somebody can come in and be creative off the bench and whether it's injuries or the lack of progress in some of the youth um we don't seem yet to have that i think it's coming i think lamella just had a baby i think he, he, he seems like he's get, getting ready to come back um i think uh toby coming back in the new year will free up dyer to play in the midfield and, and maybe that will change the dynamic a little bit but it, it, it could be coming but i think that's part of the frustration right is that it feels familiar um, it doesn't feel like new ground in the in in the in the prem. One of the uh, um, Pochettino's book. One of the things he refer, referred to last season was the fact that quite often um, a lot of his team selections um, were dictated last season by some of the injuries we had, and it was seldom that he could consistently field the same li- lineup, or, or and moreover, his strongest lineup. Um, and I think at the moment he's making the best of what he's got. And yeah, it's, you could argue that that strength and depth isn't there. But like you said, Aaron, we've got Lamella to come back, and then hopefully with Wanyama and um, uh, Wanyama will offer another option in, in, in midfield. And as you said, with Toby coming back, that'll that'll free up Dyer. And also, we've got to bear in mind Rose isn't. Fully fit. Um, right. If you looked at the on social media, the pictures after the after the Dortmund game um, with with the team celebrating the changing room, um, he had a big ice pack on his on his knee. So it's mm. it's going to take a while for him to, for him to come back. But hopefully, we're starting to turn the corner with, with injuries. Um, fingers crossed. Um, before I look at some questions around yesterday's game, just on the goal that we conceded. Um, I was at Wembley and I was behind the goal in the sort of corner um, up to the right, if you like, of where the goal went in. And it was really weird because I, I was watching it in, in real time and I, I don't know what it looked like on TV when you were both watching it, but it, it was a little bit reminiscent, I thought, of Salah's goal against us um, for Liverpool in 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 the sense that it just went past Lloris's right. And with this one, I thought... I saw. Uh, um, Sanchez running back and, and I thought he was going to get there and then the next thing I know the ball just trickles past and I'm watching Larice and I'm watching the ball and I'm thinking it's going to go the other side of the goal and it just trickles in and it was really weird and I've seen it a few times this morning um, on TV and I still can't make heads and tails of it I, a lot initially was said that it was Larice's fault why didn't he dive why didn't he stretch out a hand or at least been seem to be doing such um but actually looking back at it i think possibly sanchez could have done slightly better if we're going to be a bit critical yeah i mean the actual um the goal itself it's it's one of those ones where you're almost watching it and thinking this will go wide this will go wide and then it it's almost going it in in half speed i think mm. and I think you're right in, when you're saying about Sanchez. If anyone is culpable, I mean, obviously, Delhi losing the ball in the sloppy manner that he did. But I think it was just the strength of Rondon that sort of 
through Sanchez almost. And he just, if you look at the goal back, he just gets an, he just gets a toe on the ball, uh, Rondon. And it's and it's enough to take it past Lloris. I think Lloris wasn't wasn't really expecting him to to get a shot shot off because he was in that fifty fifty challenge with with Sanchez. Um, it's 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 unlucky and it's unfortunate. And it was early, and I think that set the tone really for the particularly the first half. I think it set the tone for the for the the game, and everyone sort of their heads dropped a little bit in the crowd probably, and 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 the players. Um, but it, again, it's it's an unlucky goal to concede. But you know, you want your centre half to be sort of at least showing a bit more aggression in there. But again, it's it's probably the fact that he was just taken aback by by the strength of of Salomon Rondon. Mm. And I think so early on as well to concede that goal that definitely changed the course of the game. Yeah, I, as soon as Ali lost lost the ball, I thought, oh, this is a problem. This is going to be a goal. It's, we seem to concede. Like, when we make that mistake in that part of the field, we concede. And we don't make that mistake very often, but it seems like almost every single time it, it, that it happens is, is when we do concede. Um, and then my first thought immediately was, this is making such a hard task so much harder. I immediately thought back... Remember that game at Old Trafford where we just did the same? We just held on for, you know, whatever it was, 85 minutes. Um, and I think that also ended in a 1-1 draw like a, a few seasons ago. But it's teams teams do it because it works. And it's going to be frustrating for the fans and for the players. But that's that's why they, that's why they play that defensively and that horribly mm. so we had some questions um, around the game um, ed brad says sloppy tactics and motivation by poch or was it just a case of the players not turning up lately not sorry not just up for it lately yeah i think i think what i just said is probably more what it's about i mean lots of teams have struggle struggle breaking down sides that put every single man in the box and that's why they do it and I think uh, we we you know we went over it. I think there's a little bit of team selection, maybe, but but more likely it's just that it's an effective tactic. It's a horrible tactic, but it's an effective tactic. And it's like I was saying earlier, you know, it, 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 it's, it's the exact opposite to the way that we play. Yeah. You know, yeah. the free flowing football, the the wonderful passing. It's it's the polar opposite. So they are going to essentially counter each other out. Mm. And the only thing we can say from that is that, you know, a draw, it's a very, it's not an ideal result, but, you know, we could have very easily have lost that game yesterday as at the same time. Um, similar sort of question on, well, um, or might lend itself to, to a similar answer. At Fon1K says, how anti-football are West Brom? Now, I... I don't have, by the way, I don't have an issue with teams parking the bus because I think if you're, again, without sounding too patronising, but I'm going to, um, the lesser teams, if you're one of those lesser teams that don't have the ability to, you don't have lots of match winners and you can't go, as you put it earlier, Zoe, toe-to-toe with... with, um, uh, with, with us, for example, um, you're going to come, you're going to have a game plan... Um, you're going to get men behind the 
football ball and you're going to grind out a result whether that be three points or, or a point so well I've got no issue with West Brom do, doing that and it nearly paid off what I do have an issue with was some of their um, some of their challenges some of their the, the time wasting that was going oh. on um, particularly um, with their goalkeeper um, it was just really really annoying and the referee and there's some questions later on about the referee I don't, I don't think he, he helped Matt as much yeah yeah but again I mean it's agreed that is frustrating and horrible and we would expect our team to do the same in all, in, in in every single one of those things, we would hope that they wouldn't. But uh, you know, if we go up, you know, um, and and play against City and we nick one early, we're gonna do everything we can to take the 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 sting out of the game. We're gonna do everything we can to slow it down, and we'll be applauding our boys as they do it. I think to some degree we would, but not not to not to the degree that West Brom were. They were just taking it to, to new levels. It was it was dis- disappointing. <laughs> it was. Five minutes into the game, so yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the, the keeper was lucky to not get uh, to not get a second card. I mean that that is, and I don't know if that's, I don't know how often that ever happens. That you know, you, someone actually gets sent off for time wasting, but um, he, he it was egregious mm-hmm. for sure. I think ne- never probably. I think it's one of those things where at, at most I've just seen a, a yellow card given. Um, yeah, a single one. Um, Kent Goodrich regarding Wembley. This is more a comment than a question. It's not fair. We all, we're always playing away. The pitch is too big. There's too much grass. Small te- teams up their game. There's the wrong sand underneath the grass. Um, the grass did look a bit long, long yesterday, by the way. I thought before before the game started, but but that, that applies for both teams. Um, the arch wasn't blue and white, so the corporate types never turn up at half time. Too many tourists, red feet. Um, have I missed anything? Has he? I think that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> any, any more? Anything more we could add to that? Um, it's not White Hart Lane. Yeah, that's uh, the main thing. They um, they did this thing um. Before all the home games, they play play um, that piece of video that is got. Oh, it's narrated by Kenneth Branagh. My brain's gone. Is it Kenneth? I don't know if it's Kenneth Branagh now. It used to be Roger Lloyd Pack, I think. Oh, but late, and it might be Kenneth. Um, anyway, and they've updated it since. And there was a bit where it said they showed. The, the image of White Hot Lane with a rainbow and it was something like what was, what is, and then when they said what is, it, it showed um, it showed Wembley in the arch and then what's, and then they said what's next and then and there was a picture of the new, new stadium um, that new stadium is um, it's really coming along and I, I really can't wait to, to, to be at that new stadium um, but it will be there'll be some adjusting to do um, with yeah. that that'll be a, a you know a different experience next season so for all the fans that say that talk about Wembley um that's going to be different it's not it's it's hopefully be a wonderful cathedral for for for, 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 for football but it's not going to be the old white Hart lane um hopefully yeah. be something special yeah. in its own right but um anyway uh okay there's going to be a lot of things on that list on on Kent's list that will be that will be uh, present in the new White Hart Lane, 
and we'll you know the support will have to kind of get over it including that um small teams will up their games at a new stadium yeah. and show that that it's it's that it's not a a fortress for us yet and the fact that there's going to be a lot more of the corporate types and um you know on one hand you, you see these incredible videos of the interiors and the and the cheese uh monger and all this ridiculous stuff but all of that also is you know not my first trip to the lane was uh was you know like a time machine it was incredible and and all of that plays on all that will play on the players but will also play on the support um and it, it'll be interesting to see i've you know i'm a happy clapper and i'm also very curious about what happens next season it won't be easy i think i think when it comes to wembley if i can just jump in here mm-hmm. um i think when it came to Wembley, obviously the ideal situation after the season we had at White Hart Lane last year and, the, and the, the form we were on, nobody wanted to move to Wembley. We wanted to ideally stay at the lane, but it just wasn't going to happen. And so Wembley was the it was a it was the choice that was made, and it was the it was almost we've got to put up with it for for this season and make the best of it, and then we'll have our new home. But it's it's like you say, there's no guarantees in the new stadium that you know we won't find it as difficult to come by as we have at Wembley it's it's a it's a whole new era and, and a new beginning for us at, as a club and so you know we're making the best of Wembley as it is at the moment and we'll hopefully like you said Aaron you know come into the new stadium and have lots of new memories to make but it will never it will never be what Hart Lane no. as it as it was and we have wonderful memories to take away from that that time and that stadium but you know we just have to try and make this new ground that looks wonderful and looks brilliant from the outside and we have to try and make that home just as we're trying to make Wembley home whether it is or not it's debatable but it's worth saying that that Wembley has been home in European nights it's mm. felt like like home so there is also potentially a, the the you know to, to Ed's question the it may be a hangover for the support to go from the heights of Europe to West Brom playing anti-football at home. How do you get up for that? Mm. I think that in terms of the new stadium, you're exactly right, Zoe. We, we do need to make it do need to make it home as quickly as possible. Um, one of my biggest frustrations last season was... Um, and I, it's understandable. It was the last season at White Hart Lane, and and everybody's feeling nostalgic and sad, and 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 uh, and I didn't really feel that way until the final game. Um, but for most of the season, I kept saying, "Look, forget it. We've got to, we've got to move on. We've got to move on." And I and I and it, it's that's happened now. White Hart Lane, as we know it, isn't there anymore. The new stadium we're going to move into. I really do hope that when we do go into that new stadium we do look to the future and we stop going on about the past because if we don't make it a fortress, if we don't make it a home, we'll be letting down the players and or the, 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 the team that, that, that fills that stadium every week or every other week. But also I think that it would be a betrayal to all the fans and the future generation of the fans if, um, if we're just banging on about um, the past, and we'll have to see. Um, hopefully, hopefully it'll be good, and it'll be it'll be everything that it's lived up to, 
um, to be. I mean, it looks a fantastic stadium, but um, it's not just how it looks. It's it's the atmosphere. It, it it it's not you know it's not just bricks and mortar. It's the people that fill that stadium and 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 make it special. Um, yeah. Okay, let's look. Let's let's go back a few days um, on a more positive note. Dortmund two um, one win. Um, mm-hmm. Through to the next next round as group winners. How fantastic is that, Zoe? Brilliant. You know, I was watching that game and it it, it, it was almost the the performance that we we wanted in in terms of you know getting it done early and having the last game to almost against that ball. That it's it's almost it means nothing in, in a sense now that you know we've we wanted to get the the job finished. Potch obviously looked at the team and and fielded the strongest possible line that he could um, against Dortmund to sort of tie everything up and you know finish top of the group which we which we knew we were going to be anyway and it just it breeds confidence in Europe which I think we were lacking last year and we, we got the draw um, Leverkusen and CSK and it was almost like you're, you're having to manage a level of expectation we came into this this um, European time this season and we've got Real Madrid and Applewell and then Dortmund and it's almost as if we were being written off before we didn't kick the ball and it's like managing expectation is, is such that you know all we could have done in Europe this year was meet the expectation or exceed it and in my opinion we have well and truly exceeded it in, in the results that we have got at Dortmund and at Wembley and away at Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah. I I was it was honestly when the when the team sheet came out, I thought, why, why are we doing this? And then the minute the game started, I said, oh my god, of course, let's just put this to bed. Let's let's get let's build on this confidence. Let's let's. Uh, Let's show everybody what we are capable of. And I was so proud of that performance. Um, for me, the big takeaway was um, I really hope Rose doesn't go. <laughs> I really, I really, really, truly and deeply hope he doesn't go. I thought um, Vertonghen and Rose on, on the left-hand side were so good. And actually... Winks as well was really was really a standout for me. But the the you know the the first goal was kind of created by Vertonghen coming up and, and and triggering this this early press, and it was shades of last season. It just it it felt like Lamella's kind of um, ferocious early press and 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 shaking something loose. And it's something that I don't know what it is about the current side, but we haven't seen much of that and um i thought the team looked so good it was such a pleasure to watch and um and i think rose was an enormous part of it and i you know i can't wait for him to be fully fit and then i i suspect he's going but i truly hope he's not i think winks as you said he he superb once again and yeah even even yesterday he didn't play the full 90 um but i I thought he did did okay. Um, it wasn't overall performance yesterday. It was frustrating, but I thought Winks, Winks did well, and he's he's um, he's got that something extra um, that I think that sets him apart from 
you know, a good footballer and a very good footballer. He's he's technically very good, but he always wants the ball. He's he's brave and and you know that's what two games against Madrid, one against Dortmund. I can't remember. If he, I don't think he played in the first game against Dortmund. Um, Liverpool, United away. He's mm. he's mixing it, it up and obviously starting for, um, for England last last month. He's he's mixing it up with 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 the best teams um, and and in, in the biggest matches, and he's just completely unfazed by it. Um, and you know he's sort of player that he can get the ball in tight situations, almost like Modric, and he can just turn and wiggle his way out and and lay it off and superb superb player and great result. I want whatever I want whatever like motivational talk uh, Winks and Sanchez are are getting because like the two of them are so fucking confident and they're so calm. I'm like, can we distill that into a beverage that I can drink on a daily basis? Because it's like it's incredible that these two young guys just seem like absolute v- veterans. A cal- calmness beverage. Yeah, a calmness, a calmness. I've never been in a good shop near you. <laughs> um, just very briefly, how um, how would you approach if you were Pochettino? How would you approach the Apoel game? Because for me, I'm hoping that Kane doesn't play in that game. I'm hoping that Flo- um, Lorente gets a start and plays the full ninety. Because I'd I'd like to see Lorente being given a chance, maybe maybe with Son up front and. I would. I don't want whole scale changes, but I would like to think that a few players are arrested for that match, and we can just concentrate on on, on the league in December. I mean, it, it, depending on obviously, it's like you say, with the levels of of fitness. Um, I think, like you say, I think the Rente his his contribution to the team, as lacking as it's been, I think purely has been down to the fact that he's not had the minutes on the pitch to to build himself up to that point where he's going to come on off the bench and make an impact. You know, it, it, you look at the the chance he had at, against Dortmund and he was one-on-one with the keeper and the touch that he took, you know, you could see that's not... He knows how to finish. He's done it his entire career at multiple different clubs at every level, you know, in Europe, at Swansea, when we got him from Swansea. He knows how to put the ball in the back of the net. But I think... He needs that time on the pitch in order to instill that confidence that actually, when I take the ball here, I'm going to I'm going to be able to finish it. And until he gets those minutes, he's going to struggle because he, he's never going to push Kane. Obviously, touch wood. Hopefully, with, with no injuries, but he'll never push Kane out of the team. So he's going to be reliant on situations like the Apple game, which isn't going to mean an awful lot now that we've qualified to get himself to that level that he needs to be to impact a game when we need him to. Yeah, I, I, I really agree. I struggle with Lorente a lot because, I, you know, I, as with all of our previous um, second strikers, I've really wanted them to succeed, and um, they haven't. And, I'm, and I, I don't know if I'm having, like, post-traumatic... Um, you know, soldado syndrome or whatever, but I, I, I fear, I fear that, that it's, um, it's an uphill battle for him because precisely like you're saying, he needs the minutes on the pitch and, um, he'll probably get them against Apoel, but 
also he won't get it with the first team, right? It will be largely a yeah. change side. And 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 that's exactly what happened to Soldado. It is exactly what happened to um Jansen. Like the, these guys eventually get pushed aside and then only get garbage time with with players that are also struggling. Um and that doesn't build confidence. But um and as you said, Jav, I, I think I hope it's not a fully changed side, but I, I also think everybody needs a rest. And I think I think players need to get blooded. I think Foyth needs needs some game time. I think he last his last start did he have a start or did he come on? I he don't started, remember. He started against Barnsley and West Ham in the yeah, Cup. And and he looked shaky, I thought. I thought he looked better than um his age would um it would would make you suspect, but he he wasn't quite all there yet. And there's a couple of players that ought, that need need game time and need um, need some opportunities to just play against this this competition. Um, so that's what I I, I I hope and I sincerely hope Lorente um, can find his um, scoring boots. Right, um, we've got. Two league games back to back: Leicester on Tuesday away from home, and then Watford um, away from home on Saturday. Um, very briefly, predictions for both games. If I come to you first, Zoe. Uh, predictions for both games. I think. Um, I think the Leicester game has the ability to be quite a tricky game, but I think the, the lads will want to bounce back um, after the West Brom. I think they knew deep down that you know it wasn't good enough the performance they put in was not good enough but I think they're going to go to Leicester and and try and right the wrongs of 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 what happened against West Brom so I'm gonna I'm, I'll predict 2-0 two 2-0 nil, two nil Tottenham and the Watford one I think that will be also a stern test because Watford are they're doing very very well at the moment as a as a Watford girl you know it's it's not the light for for Watford to be doing this well, but you know they are getting results against teams like Arsenal and like Newcastle, and they're you know they've got the um, the likes of Richarlison who has seemed to come into their side and give them a, a complete lease of life going forward, and you know it's he's going to be one to watch that that's going to be a danger to us, um, but. I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful that we could we could get a, a, a result against Watford as well. So maybe a two-one with Watford, hopefully. But you know, I, I think it depends what what team shows up and and what sort of performance we we end up putting in that will de- determine exactly how well we do in these next couple games. But I do think that we'll want to put things right. Yeah, I I agree. Um... I'm glad that they're both away. Um, I think, um, I think that will. I think we've performed well away, and I think um, hopefully it means that neither team will sit back. Um, Watford have let in a lot of goals. They perform well, but they've let in a lot of goals, and um, hopefully we take advantage of that. I would say probably um, two one, two nil as well. Um, I think. I think. Um, We've bounced. We've bounced. Rebounded well. We've bounced back well from from defeats. Um, hopefully that, or not defeats, rather, uh, you know, frustrating games. And so hopefully that still is in effect. Yeah, um, I, like you, Aaron. I, I like the fact that, that, that 
two away games. Um, interesting symmetry. The last time we played um, a Marco Silva side was um, Hull on the last day of the season away from home and then preceding that a few days before we played Leicester City away from home so interesting symmetry there um, I'm not suggesting for a minute that we'll thrash Leicester and Watford like we did uh, Leicester and Hull but I think I think Leicester are there for the taking because they've got a new manager and I think they're just they're doing okay but I think they're, they're trying to find their rhythm with a new manager and um, they're not the Leicester City that, that we that were going toe to toe with us two years ago, mm. so I think we can beat them. And Watford, they're playing some really good stuff under Silver, and I think they will. If I was going to predict, I think they could finish probably seventh. And I don't know if that's enough enough for a Europa place. It probably will be. Um, so they're doing really well. But I think that the way they play, the fact that they're quite open and, and they like to play football, I think that that will favour us. And I think we will. We shall win that as well. Um, famous last words. Um, two, two, I'd say two, <laughs> two nil, two nil for f- both games. Um, right, the second half of the podcast, we've got quite a few, few questions to get through. Um, but before we do that, here is Bex with this week's Spurs ladies update. Hello, people. It's Bex to let you know what's been happening in the world of Spurs ladies, which, to be fair, is actually very little because I don't know. It's almost like they have a mid-season break. Anyway. Maybe an international break without the internationals for the ladies' teams. Anyway, stuff what has been going on. The girls last played two weeks ago on Sunday the 12th. They played uh, Doncaster Bells and that was in the league at home um, and lost 4-1, which is a really disappointing result. However, I think again, because Doncaster Bells are a well-established women's side, it was really good and I'm sure the team would have learnt lots from it. That result has left to six in the league, um, six out of a league of ten, so mid-table and probably what you'd expect from a team that recently got promoted. Their next game isn't until Wednesday the 6th of December and that's in the Continental Tyres Cup. That's the round robin that I screwed up last time I was talking about it. Um, That's against Chelsea Ladies on, like I said, Wednesday the 6th of December at 7 o'clock. It's away at Kings Meadow so if you can and if you have the time then definitely go watch. Tickets are available via the Spurs Ladies micro site that's on the main Spurs page there is a little tab at the bottom there that will take you through to the ladies site. So a while back I mentioned that Maya Vio had been nominated for the Women's Player Award as part of the Asian Football Awards and I'm very pleased to say that she's won. Probably not as pleased as she is but you know never mind. Um, Anyway so that's a really good thing and it's nice to see that the ladies are getting recognised at whatever level that they're playing. For anybody that's on Twitter it's definitely worth uh, having the Spurs ladies as a follow They have some really interesting interviews and insights with the players and the manager. It's really quite good to to be able to put names to faces if you ever hear me whittering on about names. Anyway, there's some really good interviews on there now. So as there's no games and as there's nothing happening, um, that's me done. So thanks very much. I am on Twitter at BunchesBex if you want to talk to me. Welcome back to the second half of the Tottenham Hotspur family podcast. Right, um, we'll finish off with some questions. Uh, Before I do that... um, Zoe, um, anyone who follows you on Twitter, um, your Twitter handle is at said underscore Pearson, THFC? Yep, that's right, yep. Yep, um, we'll be familiar with um, these amazing sketches, player sketches that you do. Um, how did that all come about? Oh, thank you for saying that they're amazing, first of all. Um, to be honest, the, the, the way that it 
first started for me really was that you know I'd always sort of drawn as a as a hobby and you know art did art as a sort of creative therapy almost and I remember the first the very first uh, sketch I drew was um it was after the Tottenham Nottingham Forest game and it was Ryan Ryan Mason had scored uh, um that absolute unbelievable goal I think it was I think it was his first sort of glimpse of him um into the the Spurs side yeah and uh, his his celebration I just thought it was such a brilliant image to to try and capture and I drew that and I, I debated about posting it initially you know as a as someone who I'm a kind of a perfectionist when it comes to drawing and things it you know I I was debating about posting it decided to and it just it just blew up uh, completely blew up and he very kindly put it as his display picture for a time on Twitter and it was that initial um, it was that initial thing from him that it almost gave me the confidence to go well do you know people seem to like this they seem to think that they're that they're good and you know my following count was being sort of steadily over I mean I've been doing for the last three or so seasons I've been sort of fairly uh on the occasion a few months will sort of uploaded an occasional sketch and it'll get you know a couple of hundred likes and this that and the other and then when the players were then <clears throat> uh sorry they were they were then uh interacting and liking the pictures you sort of I found that a little community was building up through Twitter and that people were recognising me through my work and it it just grew and grew and grew to the point now I'm, I'm almost at uh, 5,000 uh, followers on Twitter. You know, there's a, a few regular people that I sort of interact with on there that seem to follow my art and it's just, it's been a gradual progression but it's been very it's been very rewarding i think have you ever thought of uh, maybe you have done one and i haven't noticed have you ever done one of Dan- daniel levy i i haven't actually i haven't i haven't ever done daniel levy i've done a few, few legends i've done you know the the first team goal celebrations pochettino um but i've i've never i've never actually <laughs> i mean it's one it's one i i could definitely i could definitely turn my hand to for sure but i've i've never actually done a a Daniel Levy portrait. Well, I think I should. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah, um, it's it, it, it seldom that that chairmen get get praise. Um, or, or, but um, I don't think that's ever going to change. But I, I think I think Levy's done. He's a much criticised character. Um, but I think that if you look over the last few years, um, he's decision to appoint Pochettino, backing Pochettino all the way through, and then what's going on with the stadium. Um, even his acquisition for the transfer market, which people criticise, um, I think some of the some of the players that we've sold on and, and made profit off, some of the ones who haven't, you know, for example, performed, even the ones who, who have, um, I think he, he's a good businessman, and, 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 and you need that at a football club. And um, He's not one that a lot of a lot of people come in from, from a business back, background and they come into football, but they're a little bit too passionate about about the game. Yeah, um, and I think he, he he's sort of quite 
I don't want to say dispassionate, but he doesn't allow his heart to rule his head. So he he makes decisions, I think, in the best interest of, of the club. Um, but doesn't always get the credit. But anyway, it just occurred to me, I wonder whether you'd done one. Um, I, I love the Harry Winks celebration sketch. It's oh, just awesome. Thank yeah. Thank I, you. I would just add to, to Jav's praise. Like, if you haven't checked out her Twitter feed, go do it. Um, it's well worth it. They're really great sketches. I think that that image in particular, uh, I think just to jump in about, because uh, you made the point about Harry Weeks earlier in the in the pod, you know, I think that is one of the most iconic images, particularly of this season, because of the, you know, the game it was against, it was the Real Madrid um it was the Real Madrid game. He was celebrating with the fans, and it's like I think with Harry Winks, it's it's he's almost as as close to you or I as going on the pitch, putting on a shirt, and playing for the for the club that we because he's he's a he's Tottenham he's a Tottenham boy, he's Tottenham in his blood. And you look at that, and I, that's why I, I think that particular sketch is one of my it's one of my personal favourites as well. Actually, now you've now you mention it, um, it's just you could see everything in that image. Yeah. Of the way he is and the way his attitude is and, and that's why I think Poch has, has trusted him so much he was unlucky to miss the Arsenal game in, in my my opinion obviously mm. with the, the injury he picked up but you know and that's why fans gravitate towards him because he is very much one of us Absolutely. he's one of our yeah. own as we sing <laughs> um, Talking of Arsenal um, lucky old Arsenal they've beaten Burnley with a late goal late Sanchez penalty so they move 90th minute um, no, I haven't even. I haven't been keeping track of it. And they have moved fourth in the table. They're a point above us. Um, right, right. Questions. Actually, Aaron. Um, last time you were on the podcast, um, uh, I think it was August, possibly, and there was a a new episode of first time, long time out at the time. Um, lo and behold, um, this is completely co- coincidental. Um, but you're on, back on the pod again, and there is there is another episode of first time, long time out. There is. I just uh, came out two days ago. Um, it's called The Time Machine. It's the third episode of season two. Um, I don't know why I broke them up into seasons, as there's only about four per season so far. But, um, yeah, it's all about um, the way uh, sports kind of take us to a new uh, a new place, a new state of being, almost. It starts with a an interview with a guy named Russ, who I met from the um, Boston Spurs community, who started following the team in the 60s from from America and would have a, a friend send him newspapers um, of the results. So he would follow the team basically eight days after the game had already finished. And what uh, what that experience was like for him and, and, and moves on from there to cover all kinds of ground but um you can find it at firsttimelongtime.am um or my twitter feed at aaron wolf um yeah it's it's out and i'm actually this is the one i'm the most proud of it's it's, it's very good give it a listen if, you, if, you, if you've not well not if you've not listened to any of um the first time first time long time podcasts then um and it's also one of those things that you don't you can go back and listen to an episode and it's not it, it's not ever going to be dated. That fair to say? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're all evergreen. They, they're, they're not pegged to any specific period of time or, or event. Um, and early on, I was trying to come up with like um, sort of taglines for for the show. And at one point, I was going on. It's 
it's not the play-by-play, it's the day-to-day, which didn't mean much to anybody else, but to me, it, it sort of summed it up. It's where I'm trying to get into the deeper stories behind the stories and um, kind of the philosophy of what um, sport means to us and how sport reflects and, and describes the world around us. Right. Um, we're going to finish off with questions. We've got quite a few. Um, apologies if we don't get through all of them. I'm, I'm going to try to get through a handful um, as quickly as possible. So first one is from Nikki Meritz, who's the chairman of the Johannesburg Spurs Supporters Club. And she asks, how do you deal with all the negativity about our team on social media? Or do, or do you feel it's justified to run them into the ground? I turn off Twitter after a loss or a frustrating draw. I just Same. step away. I step <laughs> so do away. I. So do I. I, I. I can't. I can't. The thing is, I think a lot of it comes from uh, there's a section of, it, of the media that seem to be intent on as talented as our team is to to, to almost not give us the credit that that we deserve at times. You know, there's the things thrown around that you know Sky Sports don't focus on Pochettino. They bring up the um, the other managers in the top five or six, and they're like the poster boys. And you you, you almost have to turn a blind eye to it because I, I think if you if you absorb yourself in that in that world in that, that social media world of of seeing the criticism aimed at our team, you you would not you would not appreciate the, the team that we have at the moment. You just, you just wouldn't because you just think, well, then, you know, they're never going to achieve anything. They're not, they're not at the level of everybody else around them. And, you know, as fans, we know differently because we watch them week in, week out. We know the players. We know their, their strengths, their weaknesses. And ultimately, I think it's, it's the, the philosophy, Poch's philosophy is more important than any sort of social media, you know, bashing of any player or any part of the team. I think that's I think that's the thing we need to to cling on to as as, as fans. Yeah. I think. I think that um, personally, largely, I, I I ignore a lot of the crap that's on social media. Um, negative fans. I think a lot of those negative fans will go missing when things are, when things are going really well, yeah. or they will be singing praise of the team, and you sort of think, well, how can you reconcile that? That you know, two seconds ago you, you were criticising the team, it, 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 they just go from one extreme to. To, to the next it's almost a element of hypocrisy what really annoys me though is when that level of support it's one thing being critical on social media i mean it's quite another whether i think i think if you're on a social media and you criticize um an aspect of what you see that's that's fine that's well within your rights um i've got an issue with it where it's just completely not justified in any way or it's just bonkers so for example people saying potch out um Mm. or or questioning some of his decision making um but where i think it's really frustrating for me is when you're in at a game and fans start to groan and that is just not a healthy situation and that will get across to the Mm. players and and Fans just need to get get behind their team. I know it's easier said than done. I know if you're if the team's playing well, then you've got reason to get behind the team. But it's it's a two way process, and I think fans need to. Um, it shouldn't be so quick to get on the back back of the team when when things aren't going well. Um, right, we've got another question from another chairman or chair sorry chairperson I should say of a, of a Spurs supporters club, and Smith 
chair of Glasgow Spurs Supporters Club asks, in which competition do you think is our best chance of winning a trophy? Zoe, I'll give this one to you first. Okay, um, well, the uh, realistically, I mean, you have to say the FA Cup, which it's the FA Cup. You, you, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's never an easy trophy to win. But the way that, we, you know, we've fallen away a little way away behind in the the Premier League just at the moment and as much as I would love to see Tottenham win the Champions League you know whether it's a realistic dream I mean we're, we're, we're competing we're definitely competing in the in the Champions League right at the moment so it's not it's not completely out of the question but I think in terms of the actual most realistic trophy at the moment obviously we're out of the the FL Cup now um, unfortunately but the next next one that's Possibly the uh, I don't want to say the easiest to win because it's not, but the most likely that we could win would be the the FA Cup. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that sounds about right. Um, it's just what I'll say is that the cup competitions in general are incredibly luck related, right? It's the luck of the draw, it's the luck of the performance, since it's basically effectively. Um, you know, one shot. Um, and if if in many ways, um, in many ways, we've overcome an enormous hump at the ch- in the Champions League. I'm not saying that it's the most likely that we'll win, but I mm-hmm. think that in, in in some ways, getting out of our group on top has put a certain amount of momentum into that competition. Um, there's a certain amount of belief right now in that competition. And I, and I think that, um, I think in some ways, be, be just because of the two legs and be coming up and, and, be, and just because of the, um, the fact that we've bested Real Madrid and that we drew with them at home and absolutely made Dortmund look pedestrian, which they seem to be in general, but we, I feel like I feel emotionally, never mind logically. I feel emotionally like it might be our our best chance, just because it's impossible to know with with the FA Cup. You know, you can get spoiled um, so easily by by a team having a good night if you're having a bad one, um, and I I think that's where the focus is lying right now. And um, it will the FA Cup will come be behind it, um, so. I think you're right. Ultimately, the FA Cup is probably an easier competition for us. I think right now our 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 eggs are in the Champions League basket, and I hope they stay there. At the beginning of the season, I, I predicted that we that we would win the league, and for most parts of this season, um, I, I stuck by my guns, even when we were eight points behind. I think realistically, at the moment, whilst it's only uh, well, it will be December soon. Um, I think when you're eleven points behind any team. Sorry, are we 11 points? So 11 points, they've got a game in hand. I, I think so. It's either 11 or 10 points, I think, the last I, I looked. All right, so I'm looking at a table. We 35, are 10 points and they have a game in hand. 24-35, uh, 11 points. 11 points and they've got a game in hand. Right, that trying to catch a team that far, you know, that many points behind, albeit still December, so there's a lot of football to be played, it's, it's a difficult task as it is, but... This city team really do look something else at the moment, and even if they have a a, a period, you know, even if we allow for some margin of error, and they have a period where they um, 
they drop a lot of points. They're still way ahead. So I, I, I can't see that. Um, crazy as it sounds, we've probably got a better chance of winning the Champions League than we have the Premier League. Um, I think either one of those competitions, I'd probably be inclined to say the FA Cup, but they're both winnable because I think that whilst the Champions League, it will get harder in the knockout stage as you progress. Um, uh, there is still an element of with it. It's a cup competition, and there is still an, an element of luck in terms of who you draw. You know, if you get two two teams, let's say two favourites. I'm just off the top of my head. Let's just say Barcelona and I don't know PSG. Imagine if they draw each other in the quarter final, and we're we're in the quarter final at the same time as well, or semis, and and those two teams beat each other. That that, that that's one of those teams out. So so there's always an element of luck with comp- cup competitions. Um, but probably be inclined to say the FA Cup. We last season was the first time in a few years, certainly under Pochettino, where we had. Um, I don't want to say taken it seriously, but we you know we'd got through we'd got through the early rounds and um, yeah we 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 got to got got to the semi final. No no sloppy performances. I think of for example Crystal Palace a few seasons ago at home when we lost. Um, we we you know we navigated past those teams. Wickham's could have been could have gone the other way against Wickham, um, Fulham. Uh, with ease, and then Millwall, um, obviously Villa in the f- in, in the f- first round or third round, I guess. Um, and we got to the semis, and there's no reason why we can't do the same this year, but go that one step further and get to the final, win it. So, yeah, we were actually, we were actually unlucky to lose that that semi final. Yeah. I thought we dominated yep. that that semi finals. So you know, I think again, it's that it's getting over the line and and and, and actually getting to that to that final step. Which is where I think, obviously, the media and certain fans are are sort of feeling the frustration that you know that we're not quite bridging that final point. But I I don't think we're a million miles away, to be honest. I I really don't. I agree. Um, right, uh, let's quickly finish off with a few more questions. Uh, Mark Stoll, what are we missing? What kind of player is needed to help reach our goal of continuous improvement each season? Yeah, I, I think I think I've banged on about this a lot, but I think the I think uh, we don't have a player like Lamella, and when Lamella went injured, I said right away that's that's the one that's the player we should be looking to to um, find a replacement for. We should be looking for uh, a tireless work rate and creative pass, and I know it's a rare quality to find, um, but. To me, having alternatives for Lamella and Erickson are basically should be our, our number one priority. And um, players, a couple players like that, or one player like that, that we can rotate, that we can keep um, keep people healthy and keep people rested, I think would make a huge difference. Um, it would mean, for example, that uh, when Lorente comes on to, to, to play a game like the game coming up against Apoel, he'd have somebody of quality playing right behind him um, and would have a chance. So that's that, to me, is, is our, our biggest... Uh, that's what's next. See, I, I, think, I think we're missing that, uh, that second striker almost. I think, you know, it's like we made a point earlier in the pod that you know we're bringing in players to do a job and they're not quite hitting the bar that that we set and I think you know 
an attacking somebody with that attacking in, intent maybe not so much like a, a, a i would say that lamella was maybe a a winger or that sort of that sort of player i think we don't play in the way to to play to their strengths you know we have the full backs as 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 makeshift wingers i think it's like you say it's it's one of those it's almost like a a, a cam to sort of give Ericsson a bit of um competition if you like for his place because I, I don't think there is i don't think there, there is anybody that you would say even if christian Ericsson is is not on form there's nobody there in on the bench pushing for his starting spot we just don't right. we just don't possess somebody like that and to have somebody like that maybe with, with an attacking intent um i also think that um if you look at the likes of dembele who is a great player on his day you know he was such a, a vital part of our squad that we've had in the last few seasons and how much we've progressed he's he's obviously struggling at the moment with in terms of injuries and maintaining fitness i think look to have somebody of his ilk who who that is i i don't know but somebody like that 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 missing piece in the middle of the the park you know winks is playing that Dembele role in a different set. Dembele will take the ball, carry it forward, use his strength. Winks isn't as strong, but what he does is that he uses that the ability to pass. So he'll pass through the midfield where Dembele will take the ball and encroach into the midfield all on his own and then look to pass the ball onto the, the front players. I think to to look at him now, it's it's chalk and cheese to, to the last couple of seasons. I think that is where Ultimately, I think we need to to look to not to replace as such because he still can do a job job, job for us, Dembele. But I, I certainly think that he's not the Dembele of a few seasons ago, and that's yeah, where yeah. could leave us uh, give, uh, give us a weakness in our in our squad, and that should be looked to into the market to to try and and try and fix. To be honest, I, I'd agree with you both. I think we need a little bit more competition for. for you know, for the likes of Ericsson, we do need long-term a Dembele replacement. It, it's obvious he can't play a full 90. Um, he offers that something different, as you say, Zoe, to, to, to Winks. Um, both, both of whom superb players, but different. Um, and how about how they go about what they do on the pitch? Um, whether it's true or not, Barkley, who, who we were linked with, there were some reports saying that in the summer that Barkley, Pochettino viewed Barkley as a player that he could mould into a Dembele type player. Mm. Um, I don't know. We, we, we shall see. We'll see if, if, if that even tra- that move happens or not in January. Um, and then certainly up front, um, I mean, Kane is, Kane is Harry Kane. You're, you're not going to drop him, but it would be nice. I said it a few weeks ago. I think it'd be nice if we had a young um player ideally somebody who was pushing through the ranks um but if not somebody else somebody from somebody from outside like for example we wouldn't get him now and his price would be inflated but for example Dembele um at Celtic um if we were linked with him a few years ago when he was at Fulham somebody like that a young striker that's you know happy to sit on the bench happy to learn his trade but can still come on and and get goals and 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 has got that little bit of pace up front as well um these are all things that I'd like to see, but ultimately, I'd like to see everybody fully fit. And 
for yeah. us to be in a situation where we've got our strongest squad and we've got our strongest eleven, and you know, and then once you've got those players all fit, when you've got your Lamellas and your Sons and your Ericsons and your Delis, all four of those players aren't going to start. So that in itself will provide a bit of competition. Um, talking of Delhi, um, a question from Ghent. Kent Goodrich, another one. Delhi, another typical performance for this season. Mostly sloppy and largely ineffectual, um, but after popping up with the odd goal or assist, does the latter make up for the former, or should he find himself starting on the bench Tuesday? Um, uh, my thoughts on that? I think that Delhi will always get you a goal, and he will always um, do something. Even when he's playing badly, he, he will... He will offer that little something, you know. Um, maybe he hasn't done it often this season, you know, ghosting in the box and and getting goals, which, which he did actually about this time last season. He really started pushing on, I think it was December, January, and we think of the goals against Chelsea on um, at the beginning of the year. And and I think in December he scored some against Watford and, and Southampton. So uh, for me, he starts on Tuesday and he starts on Saturday. And if he doesn't start, well, who do you play in, instead of him? Mm. It's a bit of a no-brainer at the moment. Yeah, it comes back to that competition for places thing, and there there isn't someone to push on for his position. Um, he's frustrating, but I mean, that's is he frustrating or is that just our perception of him? Right? If he's delivering and he has these frustrating performances, but every single performance he delivers, well, then he's delivering, and you can't. You know, you can't ask too much more than that. Um, I wonder if the narrative here is is a little bit getting in the way of the of the facts. Like, if 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 the narrative wasn't that Real Madrid's in for him and that he's he's got this huge entourage and he's likely to go in the summer, et cetera, et cetera. If we would just be saying, yeah, he's still unformed and 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 maturing and. Um, He's going to make some mistakes, and 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 he's a risky, high risk player that's going to be frustrating. But uh, when his stuff comes off, it creates incredible chances. Um, so I don't see right now what the benefit of benching him would be. I don't think any player is undroppable in that sense. And, and again, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I think it's better for Delhi to be on the pitch, and Invitzen starts it with the performance, but then out of nowhere can produce a moment of brilliance for himself or for somebody else. At the end of the day, the, what we want is for a Tottenham team to win. And for Delhi, who will create something for that team, you know, whether we can um, eventually get a result at the end of the 90 minutes, you know, we, we always hope for. But Delhi on the pitch, producing moments of magic is, is going to be better, I think, for the, for the squad than having him sitting on the bench and waiting to come on in fits and starts. As frustrating as his performances may be for, for some fans, I just think he's too an important player to to not be in the game. He has to be in the game. Yeah, the classic example is that 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 his his volley, you know, at at um at, at Palace was completely that it came at the end of a game in which he was um anonymous completely. And then he comes up with, you know, popping it over his own head and, and slotting it home. I mean, he's that kind of player. And um, it's ironic, you know, we're, we're, our fan base is, the, is such a, we're not fickle, but I guess it's the nature of fandom in general. But we always want what we don't have. So for 
years we went on about how we want somebody who's just sort of this classy um, you know capable of brilliance we need someone who's got this kind of magical touch that that is going to come out of nowhere and do something amazing and 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 save us in the post bail years for sure that's what we talked about right and and then and now we have someone who's not the at the heights of bail but is precisely that kind of player who may be a little bit anonymous for for large chunks of the game but will come up with something completely magical and now we're like oh we just want someone who's consistent and is not gonna you know we need a a workhorse that's that's gonna always just do the right thing and you know yeah he's he's frustrating and he's young and he's um, doing exactly what we want him to do, which is produce incredible moments of magic. Um, I think you're right. He's no one's undroppable, and I think you're, I think also if he were to go in the summer, it would be sad, and I think we would find a solution. But in the meanwhile, that's the player that he is, and I think um, demanding something other than that of him would be to demand him to be less a player, you know, to be mm. a, le- less of who he is. Okay, final couple of questions. Um, I want you to group these together. Um, at Celeste 26, should a law be brought in where players decide if there is an advantage or not? So as soon as the ref holds his hands out to indicate advantage, the players can say, nope, free kick, free kick. Um, but he goes on to say, because Jones, the referee yesterday, was fucking clueless. Um, and then... Uh, just a separate question, but just while we're talking re- referees um, at Bunches Becks, um, Tom Watson's family's podcast, saying Rebecca Braddock asks, should referees be more publicly accountable? Uh, Zoe, if I come to you first. I think there's a whole debate with referees and decisions, and I think ultimately it's 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 a hard it's a hard one to call because you know the the referee the referee itself in in the game you know you want you want them to have a hold of the game and to officiate it in the right way um but to say about bringing any sort of changes or you know for the players to decide i think ultimately then that the referee sort of loses his um if, if the player is making a decision on the pitch he he almost is it's almost redundant that he's there as a referee i think you know if you start saying you know we'll change that particular rule you know where do you where do you draw the line or, or at what point do you sort of say do you know we're going to change this rule or that rule and it's it's again it's 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 the same thing with like the goal line technology as brilliant as that is and it, and it's right that it's there ultimately you don't want the referee to become redundant whether or not they have a particularly good game or a bad game it's 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 a it's a bigger issue than that i think okay and i i for what it's worth i I agree and and just before i bring you in aaron um quick yes or no should they be more accountable sorry i I think they i think that they're they should definitely be accountable if, if a decision that they make is the wrong one. Definitely, I, I, but in terms of changing something within the the game to to suit the or to have the players make a decision over the referee or to 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 do that, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's the way to go. But definitely, definitely be held accountable for decisions. One hundred percent. 
Yeah, I, so I, I am really, um, I agree with you, uh, Zoe. I think, I think ultimately, like I don't, I don't like um, smooth jazz. You know, like I don't like uh, adult contemporary pop music because I want music that has like an edge, that has like jagged things for me to hold on to and kind of like dig into. And to me, a referee being human and fallible is part of what makes the game interesting and exciting there's a chaos involved in that like is it going to be a penalty does he perceive it that way was that inside the box outside of the box all of that is part of what whether or not we're completely aware of it is part of what makes the game magic and is part of what allows us to feel what we feel for the game and i think you're also right goal line goal line technology is it's like one of those things that it's just it's stupid that it's not there but when when people talk about video assisted refereeing and stuff like that i think immediately i think to um what they did in baseball i'm a big baseball fan and and it just it kills the the game and no matter how flowy and how smart they are in the implementation like it or not, there is a magic about what we're doing right now, which is talking about a referee's decision after the game. And I think to my, I think to my childhood, and I think to what my dad used to say, which is like, I'd come back from like a little league baseball game, and I'd be moaning about the umpire's stupid call or this or that, and he'd say, "Yeah, well, you know, if you if the only way, if the only reason that you." Um, loss is the umpire or the referee then chances are that's not the only reason you lost right like chances are there's other things that you should have done and it's it's a comfortable place to put our complaints and it's really obvious when they get something wrong but it works out in the in the end and again it's like it's part of like what are what else are we going to talk about are we going to talk about like you know, the groundskeeper didn't cut the grass properly. Like we need, we need something to talk about. It. Toby's the hair. Chaos. What's well, the yeah? Toby's hair, right? That's what we'll talk about. <laughs> we we need the chaos injected into the game um, to make it enjoyable. And like it or not, that's one of the chaoses. And I think, as far as being more publicly accountable, I don't know what that would mean. I mean, they are really accountable. <laughs> like I we. I suppose we we it, talk about it. Yeah, I, I suppose I, this is how I interpret it. Um, a manager is interviewed after a game. A player is interviewed, and they give their two pennies worth. I, I don't think players have any obligations, but managers certainly have to. Um, they've got you know certain media commitments obligations which they've got to meet. Ah, and, I see. And, and 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 it would be nice for a referee to to, for example straight after a game or or maybe later in the day look back at look back at some footage and say right i did x y and z because of this 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 and this and this and you know whether that's justifying his decision yeah. or whether it's him saying well actually do you know what at the time i looked at it and i thought i made this decision because of x y and z but now i'm looking back at it um on a on a uh, television replay which obviously he doesn't have the benefit of doing so he's got to make a decision there and then and actually you know what i got it wrong i i, I hold my ha- hands up um so there isn't that sort of accountability publicly I, okay I presume he, he, that's... here's my hot take absolutely not i absolutely think that they shouldn't be publicly accountable and here's why i think that the most important thing is that they're consistent and i don't care if if 
ref A never ever gives a penalty for this kind of handball. Um, but I do care if it's changing from game to game. And I think I think ultimately that's what that's where we start to get frustrated, right? Is the the perception that a, a ref is favoring one side or it's just like suddenly this is everybody's getting carded and it wasn't like that in the first 20 minutes of the game. I think they need to finish the game. I know that they watch tape. I know that they already go over their 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 stuff. I don't want them answering questions from the press. I don't want them answering pre- questions from the public because I want them to go watch tape. I want them to drink a pint and then forget that the game happened so that the next time they come out, they're, they're going to be consistent um, across the board. And in, and meanwhile, they're rated and they're ranked and they're if they're... If they have too many bad decisions um, or wrong decisions, then they don't get to uh, referee it at the at the top level, right? I mean, they get relegated just the same way that teams get relegated, and they get promoted to do the prestige competitions um, and get paid lots of money. So there is a system that works, and I feel like all that would happen would, you know, I mean, we eat it up because we love the man, right? But when Potch gives a press conference, he says nothing for an hour, and then we read every word of it. And mm-hmm. all that would happen would be that the refs would have to go un- undergo media training, and that would be a, a new thing to add into the circus. Um, but it wouldn't help this consistency and um, you know, imp- constant improvement, which I think is what occurs when it happens in private and is not part of the public scrutiny. Mm-hmm. I think there's also, there's there's already a uh, if I could just jump in here there's already a a level of um, scrutiny with you you get the the lights of you know um, Howard Webb who is on BT yeah. Sport and who comes on at half time to try and justify a referee's decision you know there's there's already a level of a accountability there because you're, they're then crossing over to another referee okay it's not the same one that's given the decision a, a certain way but he's then going on record and explaining to the watching public about how the about how the, the decision's gone and what that referee was thinking at that certain time there's right. already an accountability there because how it's aware is addressing it to the, the British public yeah it's, it's not it's not direct accountability but I agree it, it, it's certainly it's quite innovative of, of BT Sport to have done that um, and, and it's and it's explaining a lot a lot of things um, which which maybe aren't so obvious or apparent to whether that's us or pundits sitting in a studio and I think that, that that's a good thing that, that they're doing um, right final question in fact um, apologies to we had a question from Richard Healy and, and John Stables um uh, that will be saved until a future pod. Um, final question. It's a re- recurring question on the podcast. Um, I've answered it previously, and uh, I believe Aaron, you, you would have answered it earlier on in the season. Yep. Um, so, Zoe, as it's your first time on the podcast, um, here's a question for you. You're on a desert island. Who from the current squad do you vote as leader? And if it all goes Lord of the Flies, who do you eat first? <laughs> I see. Now, I, when I. When I heard about this question, I was debating it as to, you know, who do I eat first? Is that the player that I like the least? Or is it <laughs> <laughs> that you think, oh, I could, you know, I could, we could do without you in the squad. And so therefore, you know, sacrifices have to be made. Um, the vote of leader, I would say Harry Kane. Um, I would say 
has all the qualities of a great leader. I think Eric Dyer has the great qualities of a great leader. Um, but I think you can't you can't overlook our captain. I think Hugo Lloris would be my particular pick. You know, he leads his country. He leads the club. Um, I just can't see any any way past that. And in terms of who I would eat first, I mean, I'm going to go full bear grills and think who's going to give me the most sustenance and who's going to keep me alive long. <laughs> and, and I think you can't argue against Victor Manyama. The, the size of that fella, he'll keep me going for a week. <laughs> he really would. So I'm going to say Victor Manyama. I, I, I love him as a player. I love him as, you know, what he's done to our club and the things he's, he's brought into that midfield. But I'm sorry, Victor. I've got to eat, <laughs> and you're, you've got to go. Sorry, Vic, Vic, Victor. <laughs> believe it or not, sorry, Victor is a popular choice on on on, on the men on the on the menu. Um, what, what would you what would you drink with your Victor? Um, no, um, <laughs> whatever Ugo uh, suggested. Sorry, I said it's turning to come dine with me, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right um recording the next episode of the Oxford family podcast um a week today day after the watford game um aaron thank you thanks so much for having me zoe thank you for making your debut thank you for having me it was brilliant thank you and until next sunday uh, the future's bright the future's lily white good night Faces in the dirt. Now gather round and sing it out, and we'll talk out over her.